0: Today on the Disney Wedding Podcast, we are talking about how to get started planning your Walt Disney World wedding. And if this topic sounds familiar to you, don't worry, it's not deja vu. We are actually giving you a re recorded version of the show from just a few weeks back because less than one week after that show came out, Disney completely blew out its set of packages and the way that it does weddings at Walt Disney World and revamped everything. So we have also Also revamped this episode. My guest Carissa Redden is back and we are going to cover the new way to get started planning your wedding at Walt Disney World. Welcome Carissa. Hi Carrie. Thanks so much for joining me again on the show. I think your experience is going to be really valuable to anyone who's just getting started planning their Disney wedding. Now, perhaps, listeners, you have been planning your Disney wedding in your head for years. Or maybe you just discovered that Disney does weddings. Well, today we have all the steps and tips that are going to set you on the path to your dream Disney's fairy tale wedding or vow renewal. Because Disney treats weddings and vow renewals interchangeably. So if you're already married and you're thinking about renewing your vows... Anything we talk about on today's episode will also apply to you. Carissa, as we get started, can you give my listeners an overview of your Disney wedding?
1: Sure. We chose the wedding pavilion, and we chose to do a full you know, ceremony with the reception, dinner, dancing, and a dessert party. We chose the Grand Floridian Ballroom, actually the Whitehall Room. And for our dessert party, we did UK Lockside in Epcot.
0: And how did you guys choose Disney for your wedding in the first place?
1: It was pretty much just what we wanted from the beginning. We kind of really bonded over Disney. Disney had been really important to us throughout our whole relationship. So we just decided that that was where it was going to have to be.
0: That's interesting. I think a lot of people, especially people who have been going to Disney all their lives, sometimes they don't even realize that you can have your wedding at Walt Disney World. And so then when they find out, maybe the first thing they think is, well, I could never afford it. And so hopefully today we'll be able to explain to you how you actually might be able to afford a Disney wedding and how all of that pricing works. So step one, if you're thinking about having your wedding or your vow renewal at Walt Disney World, is to understand the pricing. This is completely new. There are no longer any package weddings or vow renewals at Walt Disney World. So instead of being able to say, I want this small package or a medium-sized package, and then check things off the list, Every wedding is a la carte, so you pick exactly what you want for your wedding. It also means there are no guest limits. Before, the different prices of packages had a max number of guests, and sometimes this was frustrating for people who wanted to have maybe just a few more people than their package allowed. Well, now all the guest limits are gone. You can have as many people as you are willing to pay for. There are also no longer any day or venue restrictions. So it doesn't matter if you're having the smallest, cheapest wedding that Disney offers, you can use any of the venues that fall into that price point. And there are no restrictions on what day you can use just because you're having a small wedding. By the same token, there are no longer any included items. Now, when it comes to the ceremony venue, there are things like you get chairs and you get a water station. But The bouquet, the cake, characters, anything you want, you're going to add a la carte. And this can be good because in the past, especially the smaller weddings, there were certain things that you couldn't add at all, like a cake to the memories collection or characters to the memories collection. So now your options are only limited by your budget. So what you need to figure out when you're first starting to look at Disney weddings is What type of wedding are you envisioning? Are you thinking just a ceremony? So maybe you would have a ceremony and then follow it with a reservation at a restaurant that you booked on your own. Or maybe a fireworks cruise that departs from one of the marinas where you can see fireworks from the park. Are you thinking maybe you want a ceremony, but you also want to add a brief reception with cake and champagne, kind of like what they used to have as the escape collection package, where you had about an hour-long event, and it was a ceremony, and then you did your first dances, you cut the cake, and you had something to drink. So you can still do that if you want to have a ceremony, and you want to add just a small reception after, you can add that. Or you could add a dessert party later, which is something unique to Disney weddings, which is a private Private venue within view of the fireworks, either inside the parks or for the Magic Kingdom fireworks. The venues are at the Contemporary and the Grand Floridian. And this is a, usually about an hour-long event where you have some nibbles. They don't actually have to be desserts, and you get to watch the fireworks from a private location. So maybe you're thinking, I just want a ceremony and then add a dessert party to that. That is now an option. And then they also still have the full ceremony and reception option. So if you decide you want a full reception with a DJ and dancing and a catered meal, all of that, you can still do that and it will be priced accordingly. And you can even do just a reception at Disney. So this option is most often used by couples who need to get married off-site at a church, but you can do it if you have found a way to have a ceremony that is a lot cheaper. You can still have your reception at Disney as long as you meet certain minimum expenditures, which we're gonna talk about in a minute. So that's the first thing to figure out is what type of event you want, a big full formal wedding or a small casual one. That's going to help you figure out what your costs are going to be like. Now the pricing is now, as I mentioned, entirely a la carte, but you must spend a minimum amount. So Disney now has what they call an event minimum, and this is an overall amount that you must spend with Disney on any service that Disney provides. So your event minimum is going to depend on a combination of three things. The venue you choose for your ceremony, the day of the week that you choose, and the time of day that you choose. So certain combinations are gonna be cheaper than others. And if you aren't having a ceremony, your price is going to depend on the reception venue you choose instead of the ceremony venue. So the absolute cheapest wedding you can now have at Walt Disney World is going to have a $5,000 event minimum. And I just did an episode called How to Have a Small Disney Wedding for the Minimum Expenditure. And I'll put a link to that in the post for this show on DisneyWeddingPodcast.com. And that one's going to tell you how to stick to that very lowest minimum. If you want to have the cheapest possible Disney wedding for a small group, it's going to give you all the tips you need to stick to that minimum. Now, your wedding could go up to tens of thousands of dollars depending on the day of the week you pick, the venue, the time of day, but for reference, the wedding pavilion, since that's probably the most popular location, starts at a $10,000 event minimum. And I have all the prices for all the locations in Carrie Hayward's Tale Weddings Guide. So you can check them out there. You can look for some general pricing on Disney's website, but they just give ranges. So if you want specific pricing based on the venue, day, and time that you want, you can find that in my guide. And then you can also find it in my episode called New Pricing for Disney World Weddings. And I'll put a link to that in the post for this episode on DisneyWeddingPodcast.com. So anything that you're going to get from Disney for the ceremony, And the pre-reception and the reception will count toward that minimum expenditure. So food, if you hire Disney for photography, entertainment, characters, transportation, anything you buy from Disney is going to count toward that event minimum, even the fees for the venue or the food and beverage minimums that maybe the venue you choose has, because some of them have specific food and beverage minimums just for that location. But all of it will count toward this overall event minimum. And we talk about this in depth in the episode I mentioned, and of course, in Chapter One of Carrie Hayward's Fairy Tale Weddings Guide. Now, if you do decide to add anything with food drinks, cake, any kind of catered meal afterwards, even if it's just a dessert party, you are then going to be subject to per person food and beverage minimums that start at $50 for a reception. Like if you just added a cake and champagne to the ceremony site, and then you went off and did your own thing for a meal, you would still have to meet a $50 per person food and beverage minimum. The next highest one is $140 for a brunch reception, and that would be a four-hour reception. It's $160 Fifty-five dollars for a lunch reception, and that's a five-hour reception, and it's $190 per person for a dinner reception. So it could be that if you're trying to stick to a budget, you might want to just do a ceremony and then maybe have a restaurant reservation and order a cake to be delivered to the restaurant because then you're going to not have to meet that $50 per person food and beverage minimum. But the thing to know about these food and beverage minimums is they count toward the event minimum. So, again, this is not an extra cost on top of what you're going to be paying Disney for that event minimum. Everything counts toward the event minimum. Carissa, how did you guys choose your locations for your ceremony and your reception and your dessert party? We knew we wanted the wedding
1: pavilion mostly because that was, well, on top of being beautiful um mm-hmm. it was inside and climate controlled so we were worried about you know any potential weather issues we would at least be able to still carry on in the location that we had initially chosen and we chose the white hall just based off of uh, again the location um was really simple for us to be able to get people from the wedding pavilion over to the white hall and we loved that the monorail was just going right past during our reception. So that kind of felt like a unique Disney aspect to us.
0: Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. And transportation is something that can end up costing a lot. So that's also something to consider when you're choosing your venues. And what's interesting about the Wedding Pavilion is that with this new pricing structure, it's actually gone down for certain days of the week and time of day. So if you could do your ceremony in the morning on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, that $10,000 event minimum is actually lower than the old wishes collection event minimum. However, it's gone way up for certain times of day. So if you wanted a Saturday or a Sunday for an evening ceremony, that could cost you as much as $35,000 for your event minimum. So it really pays to think about your budget when you're choosing the location that you want. Now, something to know about the new pricing is that tax and service charge are not included. So, before when Disney had packages, the package included everything. You didn't have to worry about any extra costs. That flat $7,000 or $3,500 included all the tax and service charge. Now that everything is a la carte, you are going to have additional tax and service charge on all of the elements of your event. Now, service charge usually only applies to food and beverage. There are a few audiovisual items that also incur a service charge, but I have a chart in Carrie Hayward's Fairytale Weddings Guide in Chapter 1 that lists exactly what gets tax and service charge and how much that is. Service charge is 25%, which is huge. That's a quarter of what you're paying, again, on top as service charge. And then I also have a self-calculating budget in the back of my guide that if you get the ebook and you plug in the costs for the things that you want, it will then show you on a separate line item how much tax and service charge you'll pay on top of that. So you'll see, okay, I'm meeting my $10,000 minimum, but look at that, I have $3,500 extra in tax and service charge. And if you are looking for specific prices to figure out, okay, you know, how much, what will I get if this is gonna be my event minimum based on the location, the time of day, the day of the week? How much will I get for that? You can find prices for individual elements of Disney weddings in my guidebook. You can also find them, people often post them in the various social media groups devoted to Disney weddings. So you can put those all into the self-calculating budget in my guide and it's gonna show you what your total will be with the tax and service charge and how much applies to Disney because that's something you don't wanna forget is you will have expenses beyond what you need to pay Disney. So your formal wear, the cost of your travel, your rings, the hiring of an officiant, the cost of your honeymoon, anything that you're not getting from Disney is going to be on top of that event minimum that you have to meet for Disney. So one thing that people like to do is create a sample budget in Excel or you can use the one in the back of my fairy tale weddings guide and that will help you figure out you know is this doable for what I think I want for that ceremony venue day of the week and time of day. Carissa, when you guys first started planning, did you do any kind of detailed budgeting like that? We didn't really get
1: too much into a detailed budget until we were really working with our planner. We kind of just had like a ballpark area that we were going for. And once we kind of decided the locations and the costs of the locations and how many guests, then we kind of got a little bit more detailed after that.
0: Got it. Did you have to change any of your initial plans based on budget? Like, oh, it turns out this one's too expensive or our group's too large or anything like that?
1: We did. We had initially actually planned quite a bit for having um, an in-park ceremony and reception at the Tower of Terror. And we ended up having to kind of scrap that idea with a little bit extra costs that we weren't aware of at first.
0: That's interesting. So things like the transportation and maybe the lighting fee that they sometimes have in Hollywood Studios?
1: Yeah, it was mostly the lighting fee, but the transportation, all of it was going to be. They And they wanted us to change locations for the pre-reception so that they could get the Tower of Terror courtyard ready for a reception after a ceremony. So it just kind of all added up.
0: That's interesting. Yeah, and I do try to document all of those kind of hidden gotcha costs in Carrie Hayward's Fairy Tale Weddings Guide because, yeah, you'll look on their site and they'll say, okay, the Tree of Life at Animal Kingdom has a $15,000 event minimum, but what they're not telling you is you're going to be spending at least $3,500 on extra lighting. So that's a good point that it is something to look into before you get your heart set on something. Although, Carissa, I feel like you guys were really able to bring your Haunted Mansion theme into the Whitehall Room and even the Wedding Pavilion in a great way so it didn't really suffer for having to change locations. Yeah, we we
1: felt like Dizzy did a really good job helping us kind of bring that into just a plain ballroom.
0: So step two, after you have figured out how much this is all going to cost you, is to pick a date. And as I have been saying, the day of the week that you pick and the time of day you pick will greatly affect the price of your wedding. So maybe you have a meaningful date. Maybe you love Halloween. You want to get married on Halloween. Maybe... Your dating anniversary or your grandparents' wedding anniversary, that's great. But if you are trying to be strategic about pricing, there are certain seasons, days of the week, and times of day that are cheaper than others. So first, let's look at season. So this mostly affects the cost of everything else related to your wedding, namely your trip, the cost of your hotel, the cost of your flights. There are high times and low times of year to visit Walt Disney World. So that is going to affect what your airfare is going to be like and how much Disney's hotels are going to cost if you do decide to stay on site. Holidays, of course, are going to be a lot more crowded. There is the possibility that your minimum expenditure could be higher than the posted minimum expenditure if you pick an actual holiday. So that's something also to consider. A lot of times people will do that weekend rather than the exact holiday, but that would be something that your sales consultant can tell you. If you are planning to do a specific holiday, your sales consultant can tell you if the prices will actually be affected. And of course, what season is going to be convenient for your guests. If you have kids or a lot of teachers in your family, you may be restricted to certain seasons that you can plan your event so that everybody is able to go. So that's definitely something to consider. But at the end of the day, it is your wedding. And don't let anybody pressure you to pick a certain time of year just to make things convenient for them. I see a lot of couples really tearing their hair out trying to cover every single person they're inviting to the wedding and make everything work for every single person. And it's just not possible. So pick what works best for you and the majority of your guests. And don't worry about trying to accommodate every single person on your guest list. Now, the next thing you'll want to consider is which day of the week. The event minimum expenditures are lowest on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And I know for a lot of people, they think, well, who gets married on a Tuesday? Because in the real world, weddings are on Fridays and Saturdays. But at Disney, every day is a vacation day. And I guarantee you that your guests are not going to balk at a Tuesday wedding if they've been there since Saturday, because all schedules are upended when you're on a vacation. And a Tuesday is the same as a Saturday when you're at Disney, except for pricing. (laughs) (laughs) the other thing this can affect is airfare in the united states airfares are cheapest on tuesday wednesday and saturday so for instance if you had a tuesday wedding your guests could fly in on a saturday and fly out on a wednesday and get the lowest price for their airfares And then of course, you need to consider what time of day. The event minimums are lower in the morning. There are a couple of venues where the event minimums are the same all day, but for most of them, they are going to be lower if you have a 9 a.m. or a noon ceremony. So that's another thing that can sometimes throw people for a loop when they haven't really investigated the way Disney weddings work yet, that many, many Disney weddings take place in the morning. And this may seem non-traditional, but it works really well at Disney, especially if it gives your guests time to then go enjoy the parks for the rest of the day so your per person food and beverage minimums if you have a reception are going to be a lot lower if you have a morning or a noon ceremony than if you do an afternoon or an evening ceremony so that will affect the cost of your wedding if you decide to add a reception. And it dictates the feel of the reception. So maybe an evening reception is going to feel more formal and a morning reception will feel more casual. Maybe you can skip having alcohol if you have a morning reception. You know, I don't think a lot of people expect to get hammered at a 10 a.m. wedding reception. So you could skip that and save a ton of money on your beverages for your event. So, again, this is something that you just need to consider when you're trying to figure out what kind of wedding you want to have. If you are interested and you're okay with the idea of a morning wedding, but you also wanna add a dessert party in front of the fireworks, which take place after dark in the evening, A lot of people balk at the fact that there will be a break because, you know, you have your ceremony at nine, then your reception's over by two or three. There's a break until, say, eight o'clock when everybody meets for the dessert party. And I can assure you that many, many of us have done this. And it's one of those non-traditional, only at Disney kind of things that just works. It gives your guests time to do what they want to do, whether that's napping or swimming at their resort, if they want to go in the parks. It gives you a break, you can take off your dress for a little bit and get back into it. But it also gives you something to look forward to at the end of the night. So instead of your event being over at two o'clock, suddenly you have something to look forward to at the end of the day to kind of cap the whole day. So don't worry about it if you're doing the numbers and you're thinking a brunch is going to be the best way to go, but you're worried about adding a dessert party in the evening. So for listeners who are not familiar with the idea of a dessert party, can you tell them a little bit about how yours went?
1: We decided to do a dessert party immediately following our reception. We wanted to kind of have the whole event flow from, you know, one event right into the other. Kind of worried about the big break, mostly for us, because we were worried that we might take a nap and not wake up in time. (laughs) Um, So, you know, we had everybody load up on a bus from the Whitehall, and we were transported over to Epcot to the UK Lockside Pavilion, which was really neat, getting to walk through the park and have guests, like, you know, cheer for you and everything. And we were escorted. It was, you know, very private. And we had a dessert spread. We chose a, a handful of our favorites, and everybody seemed to really enjoy the, um, the experience. They all, uh, I think, that's actually the most talked about thing from our wedding was how awesome it was to feel like a VIP, being escorted in and having our own, you know, up seats for the fireworks.
0: That's a really good point. Yeah, it's definitely something unique to Disney weddings. And even our guests all these years later are still talking about it. It's not something that you'll see at any other wedding and definitely a fun Disney thing to add. Okay, so you've gotten through step one and two. You figured out how much this is going to cost. You've picked your date. The third step is to estimate the number of guests. So as I mentioned, there are no longer any guest limits, which is awesome. You can invite as many people as you want. But the more people you invite, the higher your food and beverage costs are going to be and the more expensive your wedding is going to be. So something to know is that the response rate for destination weddings is usually about 50% to 75%, but Disney reports a higher than average response rate. So if you have a lot of families you're inviting, if maybe everybody on one side of the family owns Disney Vacation Club and they go to Disney all the time, you are going to have a lot higher response rate than if your family is scattered all over the country and nobody's ever been to Disney before. So you don't need an exact figure when you first call, but if you get a ballpark figure that's going to help you narrow down what venues can accommodate your group and help you begin to estimate your costs. Carissa, what was your ratio of invites to people who actually were able to make the trip?
1: We invited 50 people and we ended up having 38 that showed up.
0: That's interesting. And are your guests mostly scattered around or concentrated on the Eastern Seaboard?
1: Most of our guests actually came from New Jersey. We had a handful that came from South Carolina, but they were all
0: all East Coast. That's interesting. Yeah, it does seem like you get a higher response rate that way because they're just so used to going to Disney. I think for us, because we're on the West Coast, a lot of people were like, why aren't you getting married at Disneyland? <laughs> so maybe that had cut down. <laughs> so you have figured out what your cost is going to be. You picked your date. You have estimated the number of guests who are going to come. Step four is to call Disney's Fairy Tale Weddings. That phone number is 321 939 4610. Now Disney can register your interest in a date and a location at 16 months out This is unofficially called penciling in. It is not official at all. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't give you precedence. It doesn't mean that somebody else who got penciled in before you will get something that you want. It's just a way for you to tell Disney, hey, this is what I'm interested in. You can start working with a sales consultant. You can maybe schedule a site visit. It's just a way to get started planning. The actual booking windows for a Disney's Tale wedding are 10 months if you're just doing a ceremony or 12 months if you're doing a ceremony and a full reception. So that would be, like we talked about, four-hour or five-hour event. It triggers those per-person food and beverage minimums. That would allow you to book at 12 months. Now, some tips for when you make that first call to Disney's Fairy Tale Weddings, do not ask them any questions. You're not actually speaking to a Disney's Fairy Tale Weddings sales consultant or event planner. You're speaking to someone in a call center who deals with a bunch of different Disney business lines. And sometimes they are helpful and they know things, but sometimes they will give out misinformation that has led more than one couple, in my experience, to tears. So do not ask them any questions. Do not worry if they tell you you can't have some thing they are not the people who have the information. That person is going to be your sales consultant who will call you back within a few days. And it may take a few days to hear back, but calling usually is the best way to get in touch. Sometimes I see people who have emailed or they submitted a form online, they never hear back. So if you did either of those things and it's been, you know, 2 weeks and you haven't heard anything, give them a call. Carissa, what was that first call like for you guys?
1: Uh, we actually didn't make the phone call. We were one of the few lucky ones that emailed them through their website and we actually got a response. I actually emailed them on the trip that he proposed to me on and wow. um, I had a response from Disney before the end of our vacation. So wow, we were connected with a sales consultant very quickly, actually.
0: That's really exciting. How wonderful. And if you do want to have some information ready when you make that first call, you can give them an estimated guest count. You can tell them the the venues you're interested in, the day, the time, things like that. But you don't need to really firm up any details until you start talking to a sales consultant. And then the unofficial fifth step if you are just getting started planning your Disney's fairytale wedding or vow renewal is to get Carrie Hayward's Fairy Tale weddings guide and I will tell you why. <laughs> this is a 236 page guidebook that is devoted to every aspect of planning a Disney wedding and it is the only guidebook devoted to Disney weddings at Walt Disney World. It has a 56 page bridal organizer and if you get the ebook these are interactive pages where you can type in all of your details. Like I say there's an interactive budget that will add up all your costs and tell you how much tax and service charge will be. It'll help you track all of your plans. Everything in this guide also applies to vow renewals because Disney treats them interchangeably with weddings. The only difference is you don't have to provide a license. The guide is full of money-saving tips, and there is a whole chapter on alternatives to Disney. So if you get started planning and you think, you know, this is just beyond my budget, there is a chapter that talks about other ways to get married on Disney property through the different other resorts and services available that might be more cost-effective for you. And then there is complete information on private and group dining. So if you decide that you just want to do a ceremony and you want to add a reservation either in a private room in a restaurant or just a regular restaurant reservation, there is a chart that lists the most popular options and the phone numbers to call and all the different details of that. And the guide is full of comprehensive current pricing information. So when you go on Disney's website, you'll notice there are a lot of price ranges, but I have exact prices for things. And the ebook is updated anytime there is a major set of pricing changes, like this new one where they got rid of all the packages. So you can be assured that once you buy the ebook, you will always get free updates whenever there is a change. You just re-download the guide and you get the latest version that will have all the newest prices. And then you can plug them into that budget worksheet. It will automatically calculate the tax and service charges and tell you how much you're going to pay to Disney and how much you're spending on other things for your wedding or your vow renewal. And there is a chapter on honeymoons and anniversaries. So if you want to go back for your first anniversary, there's a whole chapter full of fun things you can do also for your honeymoon to make your Disney trip extra special for this romantic event. So I
1: feel like we would never have been able to actually plan our wedding without the Tale Weddings Guidebook because it was just so immensely helpful. Just having all of the information, we were able to know what we could afford and what we couldn't afford even before we went for our planning session. And then using the budget in the back was just a lifesaver. It really helped us um, understand all of the hidden costs that we weren't able to add up ourselves because we didn't quite understand it. So it really helped us to actually stay on our budget when we were finally able to make one.
0: Oh, that's so great to hear. Well, Carissa, I think you've offered a lot of great tips for anyone who is just getting started investigating weddings and vow renewals at Walt Disney World. And I appreciate your taking the time. Thank you so much for having me. That's our show for today. I'm your host, Carrie Hayward. Inviting you to join me again next week for another episode of the Disney Wedding Podcast. In the meantime, send your comments, questions, and suggestions to info at DisneyWeddingPodcast.com. Past shows are available in iTunes and on the show site DisneyWeddingPodcast.com. And for instant answers to all your Disney's Fairy Tale Weddings questions, check out Carrie Hayward's Fairy Tale Weddings Guide. Available as an interactive ebook with continual free updates at fairytaleweddingsguide.com.